Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Victoria Benyon, and the founder of the Victoria Benyon Podcast Booking Agency. And you're listening to The Best Guest, the podcast for business owners, creatives, and entrepreneurs who want to harness the power of podcasts to grow their platforms and increase their visibility. We're here to support you on your journey, bringing you actionable tips with each episode. Now, let's begin. Where you send listeners to connect with you at the end of your podcast interviews is really important. You want to have a strong call to action when you embark on this strategy. As we've discussed in previous episodes, one option for your call to action could be to send listeners somewhere they can sign up to your email list. But for them to want to do this, it's a good idea to offer an incentive, a lead magnet. In episode six, Teresa Heath-Waring discussed how to create a lead magnet that converts. Now, today, I'm really pleased to welcome Kylie Lang to the podcast to talk about why a quiz could be the ideal lead magnet to grow your email list. Kylie is a quiz funnel strategist and a course creator, as well as being founder of The Fab Factor. She works with course creators, service providers, and coaches to grow their email list, get more leads, and have sellout launches using the power of an automated quiz funnel. Hi, Kylie. I've been looking forward to speaking to you today. How are you? Hi, thank you. And I'm excited to be here. How's everything in France? You'd probably hate me right now because it's sunny. And this morning I was sat outside with my laptop in the garden doing some work. Can you believe at the beginning of February, which is insane. (laughs) What part of France are you in? I'm in the Charente, which is southwest France, and we are the region of the flower. So it's very pretty for about six weeks of the year. There's just fields, fields and fields of sunflowers, but unfortunately they don't last very long, which is a shame. That's lovely. I did see on your video on your website, actually, you do a little tour of your house and garden. It looks so beautiful. It is lovely. It's just a shame I don't speak French. That would be, you know, the icing Mm. on the cake. But unfortunately, my French is there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, I understand that. I think I can about say chocolat show, the important things. Oh, very good. (laughs) Hot chocolate. Absolutely. Van der Rose would be mine. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Even more important, actually. Now, you're very musical, aren't you? Having trained as a classical musician. Yes. And I love how you infuse that into your business and especially your love of ABBA. I think it's very unique. <laughs> when did your love that. of ABBA begin? Oh, gosh. Pretty much as soon as I could talk, I was singing because my dad's a singer. So um, my parents are musical, so it was inevitable. Although my brother never turned out to be musical. So yeah, it doesn't always figure, does it? But from a very young age, I was just brought into this musical world. So my parents also played in a brass band, (laughs) which is bizarre, I know. And so I would be shoved in my pram at the back of the bandstand on a Sunday afternoon whilst they're all, you know, tromboning and trumpeting away. So music's been in my family just for all of my life and I started playing piano at the age of I think I was four um, when I started to play the piano and what was I seven when I played the violin so I've always had that musical side but my parents just loved music and they were always playing it and apparently the story goes that I was about four years old and Dancing Queen came on and Mm -hmm. my dad played it to me and apparently I couldn't stop running around the room I was so excited when I heard this piece of music and that's obviously where it has stemmed from but it just makes me happy you know you play any ABBA song apart from possibly a couple and they're just 
upbeat, they make you feel good. And I seem to be able to find some kind of business analogy within a lot of them. <laughs> I'm not quite sure how we manage it. But, you know, things like ring, ring, why don't you give me a call? Take a chance on me. All of these yep. business connotations. And I use them regularly. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you. Do you have a favorite song? Well, funny you should say that. The Winner Takes It All used to be my favorite song. And I belt it out every time I felt like I just needed a bit of, come on, yep. you can do this. You've got this. You're good enough. So I'd, you know, belt that one out. That's a good but anthem. It is a good anthem, isn't it? But then ABBA released Voyage last year mm-hmm. and I absolutely love Don't Shut Me Down because that is definitely okay. one I can completely and utterly get behind. So it's kind of a toss yep. up now between the two. Excellent. So you're an, also an entrepreneur having started your first business at 22. I've <laughs> seen you in action and you really do seize the moment. So what advice do you have for someone who's just starting their own business? Okay, so probably if I'd have had this piece of advice earlier, it would have been better. But done is better than perfect. Do not allow procrastination to stop you doing anything. Because I'm going to tell you right here, right now, nothing is ever perfect straight out the box. And you will tweak as you go along. You need to think about things like, for example, who cares whether or not the shade of pink you're using on your website is just the right shade of pink? Who cares (laughs) if you're not using the right font? Nobody knows. Nobody cares. Mm -hmm. You know, it just, you have to just let go of all of that perfectionism and allow yourself to just put something out there, warts and all. You know, there's a very famous saying from Reid Hoffman, who is the owner of or founder of LinkedIn. And he said, along the lines of, if you're not ashamed of your first product, you launched it too late. Um, I'm paraphrasing, but that was the essence of his quote. And he's so right. You can apply that to anything within entrepreneurship, you know, and running a business. I've launched three businesses now. I had my first business as a wedding planner back in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, I did it for 10 years. I was in at the time when it was in its infancy. So, you know, we rose to the top quite quickly. Then I ran the Wedding Planning planning Academy. So that was another new thing I had to launch. I'd never taught before in my life. I mean, that was 13 years ago. So here's an example of me living by the advice I give. When I started planning a training company, the Wedding Academy, I was living in Australia at the time and I thought I can do this. I don't want to start another wedding planning business now I've moved to Australia because that's just too much like hard work. I'll teach. So there I am doing my usual thing. And I thought, you know what? Three months in, I was really bored of writing. I was thinking, I need mm-hmm. a challenge. So what did I do? I went out and sold the course before I'd even finished it. Before Ooh. I'd finished it. So <laughs> There was a, it was a 20 module course. Um, right. I think I was three or four modules in. I thought, ah. I need some students. So there's Mm -hmm. nothing like having students on a course to give you that kick up the backside that you need. And so what happened was as they were finishing one module, I was finishing the next one. And that's how I launched my first course. So I'm not telling you this lightly. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you this because I could have held myself back and back and I didn't. Was it perfect? Oh my God, no. (laughs) But I'm still going 13 years later with that digital course company. I'm not as active in it anymore. Um, They kind of wheel me out for webinars. Right. (laughs) And wheel me back (laughs) in again. And I write the marketing copy, but the day-to-day running is now handled by someone else. But 13 years later, from that Mm -hmm. beginning, it's still going. So, Mm. you know, don't hold yourself back. And now I've pushed myself out into yet another niche, which I'm Mm -hmm. absolutely loving, which is quizzes, which is what we'll talk about later on. But 
that is the biggest piece of advice I can give. That's great advice. No, that's great advice. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really excited to pick your brain actually about quizzes. We're not talking about just any old kind of quiz that you do at the pub, are we? Can you explain how a quiz can help you build your email list? Absolutely. So one of the things you've got to think about is you need to forget about all those BuzzFeed quizzes that you see on Mm -hmm. Facebook and things like that, you know, asking you which Harry Potter house would you be in? Which Friends character would you be? You know, what Game of Thrones character are you or whatever? Mm -hmm. Forget about those. They're fun. Who doesn't love doing them? And the one thing that's great about those is it's really pushed online quizzes into the forefront because people want something that's quick and easy to do. So as a lead magnet, it -hmm. has a whole other power because a quiz isn't just a quiz is part of a quiz funnel. So it's not just about the quiz itself. What you're doing is you are thinking about an overriding problem that you know your audience has, which at the end Mm -hmm. of the day, the reason you started your business is because you identified a problem and you're offering a solution. Right. So you take that problem and you reverse engineer it into what you believe will be something that people will be curious enough about to want to know. For example, let's say that you are a visibility coach and you know that your audience struggle with being visible. So you would turn that around and you might have something along the lines of what's what's your visibility saboteur? You know, what's holding you back from being visible? So that's how you reverse engineer it. So you've got something there that is curiosity based because as human beings, we are very curious. We want to learn something about ourselves. We want to know something. We want to discover something and reveal Mm -hmm. something about ourselves. So that's the first part then you've got to deliver on that promise. So if you're saying to somebody, what's your visibility saboteur? You've got to tell them what it is. You have to, Mm -hmm. and it has to resonate. It's got to give them that moment of, oh my God, she absolutely gets me. Oh my God, that's me. That's me Mm -hmm. down to a T. That's what you're trying to get with your outcomes. So the quiz outcomes would then be relevant to that question. So going back to visibility again, What stops some people from being visible might be the saboteur might be confidence. For others, it might be, I've got nothing to say. For others, it might be, I'm camera shy. You know, it could Mm -hmm. be anything, but you're going to have some commonalities that you see all the time through your ideal client and your audience that you know make up that visibility problem. And there's usually a good three or four that resonate with your audience. So those would be your outcomes. Now, obviously, we tend to give them cutesy names and (laughs) come up with something fun. So that's the beginning and the end of the quiz. But then in the middle, your questions are the thing that really inform the outcome. Now, I've skipped the questions a minute, but I should really go back to the outcomes because your outcome is just one thing. The outcome is then delivered within a results page. So those results pages are different dependent upon the outcome and your results pages are where you give value. So remember I said at the beginning, it's curiosity, but they want to learn something about themselves, Mm -hmm. but they also are expecting something more. They're expecting value yeah they're expecting a quick win they're expecting something that's going to kind of empower them but not give them the keys to the kingdom because that's you know whatever your paid product or service is so you've got to make sure that within those results pages you are doing all of those things you're you're identifying with what their problem is you are letting them know that that problem is completely and utterly sortable 
so that they understand that what they're feeling isn't, you know, something that can't be solved. You're there mm-hmm. to help them. You give them that quick win. You give them some value. You then guide them onto the next step. They go into the email campaign and you nurture the hell out of them. <laughs> but in the middle, there are those questions and answers that get them to that point, to one of those. And by the way, I usually recommend three to five outcomes is your sweet spot. So we, okay. have, to, we have to push them into those buckets. Mm-hmm. So how do we do that? via the questions and the questions we put together in three different ways we have what we call our diagnosis questions which are as it sounds they diagnose them and put them into one of those three to five buckets that we've just talked about outcome buckets but then this is the important part then you have your non-diagnosis questions you tell me another lead magnet that can actually teach you something about your audience when they come through a lead magnet there isn't one because it's a static thing that is downloaded. People give you a name and an email address and that's about it. With a quiz, not only do your quiz takers learn something about themselves, but you learn something about your audience. So your non-diagnosis questions are the questions you put in there because you want to know something about your audience. Now, sometimes they can be demographic things. You might Mm want to know, you know, what age bracket they're in. You might want to know how long they've been in business for. Mm -hmm. You might want to know what what lead magnets they've had in the past. That's something I'm always interested in whenever I do my quizzes. You know, what's worked for you in the past? a webinar video pdf you know i want to know those things now Mm -hmm. that doesn't diagnose them into a particular outcome but it gives me information that i can then take to do very targeted marketing to them so from my perspective yes i want to know what they've been using so that i can then say for example if they've been using a podcast as a lead magnet like you do i can then say to them how a quiz can help them Mm-hmm. promote that podcast and it's very specific it's very targeted I'm not just saying any old lead magnet I'm saying yeah. to them I know you have a podcast Victoria this is how <laughs> a quiz can help you with that that's the second type of question and we would usually have I tend to say sweet pot sweet pot sweet pot <laughs> even for questions is eight to ten so right. diagnosis you're going to usually have around three three to four okay. dependent upon how many questions you're having and you want at least three non-diagnosis questions Mm -hmm. now another form of diagnosis question is a fun question because people don't want to be bored when they're going through your quiz they want to be entertained they want to feel like they're learning something they want to feel like it's going somewhere they're going on a journey Mm -hmm. so popping in a fun question which naturally for me is usually which ABBA anthem would get you dancing on the dance floor (laughs) you know there's always something like that it makes them stop and think oh actually Mm -hmm. okay So you'll usually have a fun question in there as well. And then the final question type is your visualization question. So this is a question that is kind of manipulating really, because you're kind of Mm -hmm. positioning yourself and your product as being the solution to their problem, whatever that might be, but within a way that makes them visualize it. So it's a very subtle um, way of doing it. For example, you might say, If I was able to wave my magic wand and fix X, Y, and Z, how would that make you feel? So you see, that's a very subtle form of visualization. It's making them think, oh, actually, there's a solution to this problem without actually realizing that you're doing it. So it is a visualization question. So those are the three question types that you use to find out more about your audience, for them to find out more Mm -hmm. about themselves, and for you to start subtly placing yourself or your product or your service as the solution to that problem. Uh Now, 
you can get really clever with quizzes because the information you get from things like your non-diagnosis questions can easily be brought in from your quiz platform. It can be brought mm-hmm. into your CRM. You can use these. This information as custom fields. I do this all the time. So for example, I use Active Campaign as my CRM and I use Interact as my quiz platform. And I'm able to map the answers somebody gives me from Interact directly mm-hmm. into Active Campaign. I set them up as custom fields. So that way, instead of having to write loads of different emails, it's one email with different custom fields. So it might say, hey, Victoria, I'm so excited that you're using custom field one, which in your case would say podcast, because that's the answer you gave. So it makes your marketing super, super targeted and relevant. And people enjoy reading it much more because they think that you are speaking to them directly, which you are, but you've just done your hard work. So when you were saying to me, you know, how does a quiz differ from a pub quiz as Mm -hmm. a lead magnet? This is the psychology that goes behind putting together a high converting quiz. So there's lots of moving parts, lots of elements, lots of really understanding your audience, knowing their pain points, understanding the language they use as well, because that's important when you're putting it into a quiz format, you need to understand the language that's going to resonate with them so that Mm -hmm. your questions hit the mark, because obviously you want them to give you their name and email address in order to see their results. You don't get that up front and wait till the end. Um, And then you nurture them and nurture them some more through your email campaign that goes with that quiz. So yes, there you go. I mean, there's different types of quizzes as well, but that's Mm -hmm. your standard evergreen quiz. It's so clever, actually. I didn't realize you could do that with the integration. It sounds really valuable. It certainly is. And quizzes are outperforming other lead magnets in so many different ways. I mean, one of them being the fact that with a quiz, at the Mm -hmm. front end of your quiz, its only job is to drive traffic. So therefore, your ad spend goes down dramatically. So to give you an idea, the quiz that we have for our Wedding Academy, the digital course company that I've got, we have a quiz called What's Your Hidden Wedding Planner Talent? And it's a great quiz. It evokes curiosity. People do it. We have a massive conversion rate now of about 72%, which is huge. That's high. I know. (laughs) Because of the way, you know, obviously we've honed our skills at this. I now know what I'm doing. But more importantly, the ad side of it, I only Mm -hmm. spend, I think it's 250 quid a month on ads for my quiz. And we can get anything from between 700 to 1000 leads a month. Easy. That's huge. And the cost per lead a lot of the time can be Mm -hmm. down as low as dependent upon what time of year it is but right now really with traffic ads like that it can be anything between 10 to 15p per lead wow that's very good where do you tend to advertise the quizzes everywhere everywhere Mm -hmm. you possibly can so pinterest is great because pinterest as we know is a visual search engine, and it's i always liken pinterest to a good wine (laughs) (laughs) as it matures it gets better with age (laughs) that's the way i look at pinterest it really is and you know you can't expect it to win for you in the first six months because it really doesn't we've had pins on our pinterest that three years down the line are still driving traffic and they're the biggest drivers of our traffic that's what i mean when it's a very different beast to 
Instagram or Facebook when it's much more, you know, instantaneous and needs to be within the first 24 hours and all the rest Mm -hmm. of that jazz. Not the case with Pinterest. And it's free. So it's a very, very good form of generating traffic. So that's the first one. Mm -hmm. Obviously, if you can afford to put, you know, 100 quid behind Facebook ads for a quiz when all it is is traffic generation, then absolutely you should be doing that. But you also need to do the other obvious things like your email signature. It should be on a banner on your website. So on our digital course company website, we have a static banner. I change it up at the moment. It's actually got a Valentine's promo on there, but normally Mm -hmm. it would have the quiz on there. So people can see it and they take it because they might have just stumbled across us, but don't really want to give us their name and email address. But, oh, there's a fun quiz I can do here to see if I could be a wedding planner. (laughs) Off we go. They're going to take that quiz and they do. Then there's things like your Instagram bio I don't use LinkedIn bio I use a URL from my site and I change it so when I'm doing my quiz funnel boot camp the link in my bio changes to my wait list when I'm not running that the link in my bio is always to my quiz always to my quiz because it's the easiest lead magnet to promote so you know you really want to have it everywhere if you have a Mm -hmm. Facebook group and a Facebook page have it as the banner on your page you know shout about it from the treetops come on podcasts like this And when the podcast host says, yeah, how can people get in touch with you, Kylie? Well, (laughs) why don't you take my quiz? Perfect. It's so easy. Which probably leads me on to another thing as well. You should always embed your quiz on your website. Because you don't want to be, you know, when somebody says that to you, you know, where can we find you, Kylie? Mm -hmm. You want to better go, oh, kylielang.com forward slash quiz. Nice. Easy easy, easy, to remember. Where's the best place to start then if you want to go about creating a quiz? As in doing it on your own? Or what are the options? There's a few different options. I mean, the very first thing you've got to do is you have to identify that big quiz question. That is your starting point. And you want to kind of do a brain dump from there. So for me, the first thing I do when I am working for a client and building a quiz for them is I do a big brain dump. So I set myself aside a, a set period of time, usually a two or three hours. It might be a morning, it might be an afternoon. I allow myself to just be in their audience, to soak up everything about what they do, who they are. And I start to make notes. I look for common words. I look for phrases. I look for questions. I look for anything that's going to inform me about that particular audience. And that's exactly what you would do yourself if you were creating a quiz, is you want to do a brain dump of everything you know about your ideal client. And then you're looking for commonalities. You're looking for the things that come up time and time again that you know are going to appeal to the broader set of your audience. Because obviously, like I said, we've got little subsets within our audience. Our overall thing might be visibility, but there's different things holding them back. And those are our subsets. So with your big quiz question or topic, you want to be really looking for something that's going to appeal to as many people as possible. And then obviously you drill down with your outcomes. That's when you want to drill down to the next level and say, okay, so if visibility is my problem, that's Mm -hmm. the question I'm answering. From there, what would my outcomes be? What are the things stopping them from being visible? Those are going to be, and you're not looking for cute words here. You're just doing a brain (laughs) dump. You just Mm -hmm. want the information first of all. And that's where you start. You do need to know your audience inside out. And if you don't know your audience, Mm -hmm. ask them, send out an email to them, let them know what you're doing. Say, hey, I'm thinking of creating a quiz for my audience. What is the three biggest things that you'd like to know about blah, 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 blah. Do a poll on Instagram, you know, whatever your jam is. Do a Mm -hmm. TikTok video asking people to respond, (laughs) you know, 
whatever your platform is, wherever your audience are, really, they should be telling you, you want to find out direct from the horse's mouth. But then of course, if you really don't want to have to go through all that hassle, then yours truly has many different ways that I can help you to do your quizzes as well. We do strategy sessions. We have a course. We have a done with you and a done for you. But if you want to do it on your own, that's where you start. How did you get into creating quizzes in the first place? It was through my course company. So we had pretty much since we started just had leads coming in. It was, it's quite a niche area. It's not so much now. It was mm-hmm. when we first started and we've branched out from Australia. Obviously, we're a global company now, but it was around 2015. Things started to change in the online world and we realized that we couldn't just rely on SEO and organic traffic, which is what we relied mm-hmm. on all that time. And it was then that I started messing around going, okay, there's this thing called a lead magnet. Because <laughs> <laughs> 2015, it was a different world. Yeah. And so I realized that, yes, we'd created these great checklists and PDFs and things like that, but they weren't that much fun. And then I realized that actually... If I created a quiz that Mm -hmm. really asked questions that was interesting, that could work quite well. And I just kind of stumbled upon it. And it started to really bring in leads much better than anything else we'd ever put out there. I tweaked it and tweaked it. I learned more Mm -hmm. about it. I then took a course from a guy called Ryan Leverskew, who's basically the granddaddy of the quiz funnel. I got mentored by him for a while, which was great. So I learned a lot of tricks of the trade. And then I realized that actually I was really enjoying doing this. And people started coming to me and saying, you know, how how do you get so much traffic using that quiz? I was thinking, I could tell you for free or I could charge you. So I realized there was a business in it. And I love it because since I gave up planning weddings, I I no longer have that creative outlet. So I was very much more Mm -hmm. a stylist than a planner. Um, And of course, being a musician, I'm creative. Here in my office, I have a baby grand piano. So when I'm feeling creatively stuck, I go and tinkle the ivories for a bit. And that usually helps. But what I love about quizzes is it allows me to be creative. And it lets me into lots of different industries because I work with course creators, coaches. I mean, (laughs) I'm actually working with a woman at the moment who has a course about how to train your dog. What's your dog's doganality? It's bizarre. Like the amount of different, it is fun, right? There's so many different people that a quiz works for. And I get an insight into all these different businesses. So I love it. It's just something that sparks my creativity. I am very good with words. I've even managed to rewrite the lyrics to several ABBA songs so that they are, they I saw your video. It was brilliant. (laughs) Yeah, it's something I do. So words are something I enjoy. And being able to create these quizzes and then seeing the success people people have and you think yeah mm-hmm. I, I was a part of that I've helped you to you know bring in leads on autopilot so you yes. can sit back and actually do what it is you enjoy doing whatever that might be it's definitely feeling I need a quiz <laughs> <laughs> oh you so do <laughs> so where can listeners go to connect with you and learn more about quiz creation Well, the first thing you really ought to do if you want to, and actually this is really good advice anyway, you should be taking quizzes to see which ones you like, what questions resonate with you. You know, just the same as you would check out competitors. Don't look at other people in your industry. Look at people Mm -hmm. outside of your industry. So go to kylielang.com forward slash quiz, take my quiz, which will then put you through into my nurture campaign. And you'll see all of the elements that I've talked about 
you will see as you go through that quiz. And I've got a couple of different quizzes and dependent upon when you hit that link depends on whether Mm -hmm. or not you take my Fab Factor quiz or my Quizpreneur quiz. So I have no idea. Mm -hmm. I change it on a regular basis dependent upon what I'm doing. So you could be in either. So have a look at mine. Have a look at other people's too. What is resonating? What didn't you like? What did you like? What did you like about the results page? Was there a good results page? Did you feel like you've been you know, cheated? Did you feel like you had value? And start to make notes, start to look at things and see what you see. That's great advice. No worries. Thank you very much for being here and for sharing all this value. We really appreciate it. No problem. I am happy to talk about quizzes anytime. And thank you so much for having me as well. Thank you so much for listening to the Best Guest Podcast today. I'll talk to you again in the next episode.